Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about a man everybody needs to know, Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. That's right. Today, we're joined by Kevin Wells, the author of the new book, Priest and Beggar, to discuss this dynamic priest. Let's open up this beautiful book and realize the heroic life of this virtuous and very, very holy man. Good to be back in the studio. I'm really excited about this amazing man and and what we're going to find out. Kevin, good to have you in the studio. Again. Yeah, just, good to have you back. You just write books, man. I love it. <laughs> it it's COVID season. What else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was written during COVID-19. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. Ignatius Press. I mean, that's impressive. Published through Ignatius Press. Beautiful cover art. Great picture of yeah. Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Really incredible book. I've been able to look through this. Truly inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time we had you on, it was for your other book, The Priests We Need Need to Save the World. So thank you for, you know, bringing uh, priestly holiness to our show. And I think it's... um, Because this one's not doing it. Right. That's the whole reason Kevin's coming, really. I mean, this is really a secret attempt. act of mercy. A secret attempt to help you, Father Rich. (laughs) Did you all work this out or something? No, no. we can't get uh, Schmitz to do the show. Yeah. We're stuck with him. So at least we got to bring in Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, uh, Monsignor Wells, right? There you go. Classic place. Classic place. Tighten it up. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, Ryan, it's great to be here. Ryan, Father, it's good. Father, you're you're smitzing you. I actually, you might be up there. You might Kevin, be a notch above. See the affirmation that I've just received. You've healed so much of what these guys have wounded I in me. I remember from last time we were here, they're ripping on you about Father Michael so constantly. So uh, no, it's it's good to be with you guys because you, you you got the, you got the funnest podcast. So it's good to be back. Oh brother, it's awesome. Well, we hope that you're stuck right here. And if you're not, make sure you're clicking the subscribe button. Okay, subscribe, click the bell every time on YouTube we produce a show. It'll populate in your feed. If you're listening in and you're trying to f- figure out how you can listen in, if you're commuting on your way to work, or if you're just your morning routine and you want to listen to this show, go to CatholicTalkShow.com. You'll see every type of podcast forum that we're on. We're on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we would not be able to do this show without our patrons, so we want to give you a big shout out. Thank you for financially supporting the show, and please consider supporting the show by going to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, and we've got some great gear and swag to send your way for supporting us. All right. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book, and let everyone know a little bit about Father Aloysius Schwartz. So really, Ryan, he's the skin on the bones of the priests we need to save the church. I um, <clears throat> What had happened, it's, it's actually, I'll, I'll try and keep this brief, in the aftermath of writing The Priests We Need to Save the Church, it got out there a good bit, and I'd heard from a lot of priests and some bishops, we were talking about Bishop, Bishop Strickland, and <clears throat> I met with him. But a married couple came up to me, uh, Tom and Glory Sullivan, and they said, we know who that priest is to save the church. His name is Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. And I'm from the D.C. area, so his name was always kicking around. Mm-hmm. I always sort of knew him, but I didn't know much about him. So, so it, in anticipation of writing the priest we need to save the church, I'd read the lives of the paragons, the titans, John Vianney, Bosco Neri, Colby, mm-hmm. Damien the Leper. And what I had read in the life of this man 
I had not read before. It was it was outside the finger of God. It was incomprehensible. So, so it, providentially, it really it did. I said I called Ignatius Father and and I proposed it to Father Fessio, the longtime president. I said, Hey, there's this priest you've never heard of. He's like, You're right. I haven't heard of him. Tell me about him. And I did. And and Father Fessio said, Write this biography. This Great. this needs to be known. Mm. So I spent I spent all of 2020, you know. That rotten COVID season, you know, researching and writing this life, and and I and I do believe, um, you know, the Holy Spirit determines these things, but I I, I believe He'll be a canonized saint in the Catholic Church, mm. and uh, He's He's just um, He's a superhero. So what did what did Father? And I know colloquially He's called Father Al, right? Um, give us give us a little background on him, and you know where he was born, you know his ordination and. Where really was his charism? What made him this type of paragon of the priesthood? He, well, you could not have been born at a worse time. He was born in 1930 in the teeth of the Great Depression in Washington, D.C. You know, Hitler was on the rise. Um, you know, the, the dust storms were choking the Midwest. Farmers were just on their knees. Uh, I think 15 million people had lost their jobs in America. And Father Al's born. So, was born into a life of poverty. His dad was a, uh, I think he was a fourth or fifth grade dropout. Um, so here's, here's dad, Al's father. Uh, I got to raise a family of seven in a Catholic home. We got no money. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm trying to scratch and claw in this, in this depression and with a lousy job. And how do I take care? So Al, <clears throat> Father Al, uh, little Al at the age of eight or nine. And this is what, this will sh- sort of show you his, his, um, his remarkable soul, his sort of the way he thought. At the age of eight or nine, he said, um, this is poverty, and God's, fe- God's face has seemed to have turned away from our family. He doesn't seem here. Um, they lived on the wrong side of the tracks. He was being bullied. Uh, it was just a stinking mess in their neighborhood. Mm. And he said, but I know he's here, and this is where I must learn what hope and faith is. And he said in his journals, at that age, I want to become a priest to go to those who feel like I do now, who mm, feel poverty, wow. darkness, mm, wow. and, and just don't feel the face of God. So he wow. said, I want to become a Catholic priest. Mm. That is so that is so inspiring. And you know, you you hear so many stories among brethren uh, who have become priests. And, you know, for a number of them, it was inspired at a very early early age, but to realize that in his young life experienced such poverty, poverty, you know, of his local surroundings, but most, most especially like the poverty of soul, you know, and the loneliness Mm -hmm. of the heart when, when you are being bullied, when you are experiencing, you know, a a bad neighborhood and, and not finding a place to belong, that poverty of soul is met by the love of Jesus Christ. And how beautiful is it that, you know, I'm thinking of Father Tetlow as well, but Father Tetlow received a call similarly when he was that young, going through similar, similar experiences, and that the Catholic priesthood would be born out of that charism of the spirit meeting a broken heart like that. And, and this and journey that he's, oh, man. we're going to talk about in, in that um, calling, the yeah. journey that he's going to experience as, as a special calling as a priest, yeah. you know, I mean, just... Uh, it's kind of exciting to dive into. Yeah. You know, Father Al achieves monumental and enormous things in his life. But uh, Father Al was not a big guy at all, was he? No, he was He was small. He was very. He was an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. He was an athlete. He was always that guy in, uh, on the schoolyard who you couldn't catch playing football. He just ran by you. Um, he was about, uh, I think he, he tapped out at five foot seven, 
140, 150 pounds, ran every day of his life. But what happened with Father Al at that time when he was a youth, it was almost like a confluence of that poverty and how it solved. He had fallen in love with this DC comic called The Boy Commandos. And he would fall asleep at night. His brother Lou told me in, in research for the book with this comic book on his, on, his, um, on his chest. And it was a story of four orphan boys that would travel the world and they'd, they'd enter Hitlerville and Naziville. And, and he, he saw the, the nobility and the heroism of men who stepped into things that no one else would. And, and he understood, his brother Lou says, he understood back then that these four orphan heroes were like Christ and the greatest priest saints and the martyrs who did things that no one else would. So he took this desire to, to, to bring um, love to the poorest of the poor in a superhero-like fashion. So, you know, you, we all know this. You know, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player, and I practiced the swing of Eddie Murray when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But, that, but that dies down as we get older. Mm-hmm. But Al wanted to be a superhero, and rather than it sort of dimming as you grew older, oh, it just cool. broadened and grew stronger. Wow. wow, that's a really cool. neat yeah, analogy true. right there. Yeah. yeah, I wonder how many kids watching, you know, like Marvel movies today are going to make that extrapolation, you know, into something actually heroic. I would imagine probably not that many because they're not really the same virtuous comics that, you know, Father Al was reading. You know, what was the name of that comic book? It was a DC Comics called The Boy Commandos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he threw out the Incredible Hulks and the Supermans and all the popular ones uh-huh. because it was something about these four boys. They were orphaned. And I think I think I, he felt sort of orphaned by society because yeah. mm-hmm. they live on the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. He, he wanted to be that fifth orphan that went into Nazville, but he saw it more in, a, uh, in, in the role of a Catholic. What a, what Catholic a grace, Christ a grace of yeah. hope, mm. you know, that was given to him. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know. So after ordination, okay, where does he go? So what what happens? How does he go down this path to this heroic virtue and all the the service that he provided to orphans later in life? Well, um, what had happened was he wanted to, as he grew older, he wanted to. <laughs> he was he was very bold. Um, and, and Ryan, to answer your question in a roundabout way. He wanted to feel the poverty of Christ stretched out on the cross, one who gave everything. His blood spilled out. Um, he wanted to live like the poor man of Nazareth. He just So the Marianoles didn't work. He cut ties with the Marianoles. He was the first priest, American priest in the history of the Marianoles to say, I, I, no, it's not. You, there's too much comfort in the Marianoles. Um, so he was it, originally Marianole priest. Yes, yeah, he, he okay. was. A, no, he's a, he was a Marianole formation. Oh, okay. He cut it. He cut it out. Went to Belgium, where he found an order, an obscure order of priests called the Samists, who Not who essentially <laughs> they they're no longer they're no longer around because it's they were so austere. Their charism was to go to the poorest communities in the world and to live poor and among the poor as a parish priest. He said, bingo, that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. So he raised his hand in 1957. And he asked his rector, what's the worst place in the world? And he said, well, it's post-war Korea. It's a dystopian novel over there. He said, that's my new home. Can you, can you send me to... He's like, yeah, we'll send you. So on the, um, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception in 57, um, he got off a train in the southern peninsula and, and he just saw um, ruination. Uh, just ruination. Orphans being dying on the streets, being neglected. Um, you know, lepers living on hillsides, uh, beggars under bridges, and just just um, just death and disease everywhere. And and he, it was it was a it was a scorched landscape. So he so he he 
he he writes this in his journals. He smelled. He inhaled uh, the smell of um, hu- uh, dead animals, human excrement, waste, trash, debris, rot. And he said, "This is the incense of my new home. This is where Mary, Mary, mm. wants me. That's, Mary. He gave his whole priesthood to Mary. You know, that's mm. really bold. Saying, send me to the worst place in the world. I mean." I know a lot of priests nowadays, uh, if they get an assignment to a parish that's maybe got some financial struggles, they're like, what was me, right? <laughs> or they have to go to a parish that's, you know, maybe on the different side of town where they're used to serving. They're like, ah, oh, man, that's not a great assignment. I mean, he specifically sought out what's the worst place in the world. Post-war and, Korea is. That and if that's, if that's not inspired by Christ's love, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to be something of like a human proclivity. That's not going to be like a human no desire. Human goes towards like that. nobody goes towards right. that. And that, that goes to like the comic, you know, inspiration of, of, you know, looking at virtue and wanting to be heroic. Um, but that runs out humanly speaking. It has to be motivated by something more than human strength and human interest. It, it's absolutely inspired by the person of Christ. It, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, the mm. person of Christ. But what he did, he was very he was very practical-minded. He knew what he wanted to do, even as a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy. So he would sleep in the mm. basement and on the floor uh, at his family's home. He would do things practically like Therese of Lisieux. He accepted these, these bothers, these hindrances, these little sacrifices because he knew where he wanted to go. It was almost like the baseball player, Ryan, in, in, in rookie ball. You know, he's got, he wants to be a major leaguer, so he works harder and harder. Well, Father Al took on more and more asceticisms. Mm. He, he, he wanted to amputate every measure of comfort at an early age because he knew he wanted to pick the wound from the leper and clean it. Mm. He knew that. He just, it lived in him. It was an icon in his soul. So he didn't just sort of go to Korea unprepared. Mm. He, he, he had coached his body up, his, his mind up, his soul up for it. That's excellent. Yeah, not something I think I would mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just, I don't, I don't like, think many would. Again, it's, it's like, it's, it's Christ living in him. That's preparing mm-hmm. him for all this stuff. It's mm-hmm. just amazing. It sounds very much like St. Francis just looking to radically live the gospel. And St. Francis is, I mean, practically speaking, maybe the, you know, after the initial apostles, the most important Catholic ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because he radically lived the gospel in a way that no one did. I mean, he rebuilt the church mm-hmm. through that radical adherence. And what I'm hearing from about Father Allo is very similar, you know? Yeah, and that's why the mystical church is always being reformed and renewed through lives just like Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, just like St. Francis of Assisi and many of the saints. I mean, you look at the you look at the Catholic ethos in America in the 17th century, you know, you see the martyrdoms of Antonio Quipa and the Florida martyrs. You see, you know, the life of the Lily of the Mohawks in, in Tecohitha. You see the ethos of of Catholicism, and you look at you look at these these natives, Catholics. They loved Catholicism, and they took on the mortifications and the ascetical practices because they saw in the simplicity of it. This is beauty, and they realized that it was it was helping them to commune with God. And you know, mortification and the mortification of the flesh is something that we've lost in modernity completely. It's 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 a completely opposite lesson 
for the, you know, and, and it's like, we have to, you know, we have to comfort the flesh. We need to, we need to uh, flee every occasion of suffering by way of chemical intervention and pain pills or, or, you know, how, how do you, how do you console yourself? You know, (laughs) he wasn't concerned about that. You know, I'm I'm thinking, okay, if you heard the story out of context and you said, young boy gets inspired by heroic accounts practices mortifications, goes and joins an order or discerns, finds it's not ascetic enough, and then goes and to the poorest place in the world, you'd think that this is from the 1200s. You'd think that this is a story from antiquity. Yeah, that's a great point. This is the 1950s. Yeah, that's a great point. This still is, this stuff still happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you, you hear these stories of these you know ancient saints, and you say, wow, that, that's a different cultural milieu at the time. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen now. But this shows you that there, this culture, even now, is still able to raise up heroic men and women who are willing to do things that are legendary mm-hmm. almost, you know? Yeah, and, and and comfort creates this apathy, I think. And and he acknowledged that, um, you know, with the Mary Knowles. He acknowledged that there was too much comfort and that wasn't his calling. Yeah, and it's not like the Mary Knowles are living in the lap of luxury. No, either, no, no, you know? I know, I know. But it's just, it's it's amazing to, to for him to be given this grace of that yeah. vision, yeah. right? And 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 also to know that, you know, there are there's still people suffering in this world in, in immense ways and that, you know, somebody could be called watching the show to go mm-hmm. serve the poorest of the poor yeah. somewhere. And, w- and what is the incarnation? God coming to meet human poverty. Mm-hmm. And it's the passion of God. And it is. Yeah. And, and that will necessarily be inspired in the world because Christ is still with us until the end of time. Yep. You know, that will still be inspired. And thank God for the structures of the Catholic Church that we have vows like celibacy, like poverty, like simplicity of life, like the cloistered life. You know, we have, we have these missions all throughout all these various different religious orders. And I'm really grateful for this, uh, you know, to learn about the religious order that Venerable Aloysius Schwartz was a part of too, because that shows everybody that's listening or viewing our content right now, there is such an open capacity within the church for renewal and the orientation of new orders mm-hmm. cropping up to respond to the same call today. You know, Ryan, you said the word compassion, right? Yeah. And that's God's compassion. The the word compassion comes from, you know, Latin. Compatio, yeah, right, suffering. To suffer with, yeah. right? Passion, suffer, come mm-hmm. with. I don't think people, when they're thinking about compassion, they think about it almost as pity. Mm-hmm. But compassion is to suffer with and to enter into that suffering. That's what... God in his incarnation as the second person of the Trinity did. He suffered with humanity. Mm-hmm. That's what these great saints, and that's what it sounds like Venerable Eloisha Schwartz did as well. So after he goes and he he gets to Korea, um, and he experiences this incense of his new life, what happens? Well, it was uh, the magnitude of the devastation was just, it was too much. Um you know, and Satan had stepped in. So whenever there's, uh, you know, post-war apocalyptic landscape, things became rotten and evil and strange. Like gangs of lepers were rubbing their diseased limbs up against people to steal their money. I mean, just awful things. Bishops were corrupt. So he said, where do I start? How do I do this? Um, Our Lady, the Virgin of the Poor, has called me to this, to this place. So <laughs> he said, I'm going to start with the orphan. 
Mm. So he he began to sort of lift these these um, the, these kids who had lost their parents in the war, almost like Atlas, and put them on his back. And and he said, "Man, they're too devastated by what had happened in this in this country. So I need to do something. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start orphanages, but they need mothers. So he started." Uh, as father, as you said, he started in 1964 uh, an order called the Sisters of Mary, mm-hmm. and they began to mother them back to health. And the one thing he said as he began to bring them in, he 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 formed everything he did off of um, St. Vincent de Paul and Louise de Marillac. De Marillac was the one who brought in the young women who became the daughters of, of charity. Mm-hmm. So, so Father Earl said, I'm going to do it that way. And he said, Sisters, the way we serve is to have a constant crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. Um, we are Mary, but right now we are more Martha's mm-hmm. because we need to work. Compassion is sacrificing all we can to these devastated little kids. So that's where he started. <laughs> However, Father Al was relentless. So by the time he was 10 years in Korea, South Korea was becoming transformed. He was He built and was running a seven-story hospital, built elementary schools, hospices, tubercularians, leprosoriums, boys' towns and girls' towns. He, he was a wonder worker. Um, That's a lot of work in, in 10 years. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make sense well, outside you, uh, the finger of God. You just listed all those things. Getting that all done in 10 years, one, you know, one guy with the help of... It seems almost illogical or improbable that that much got done. He, here's what he did. Um, he was very smart. He, he was like, his grades and in, in, let me just give you an example of how, how bright he was. When he left the Marinolers to go to Belgium, only French and Latin were spoken in classrooms. French he didn't speak. Mm-hmm. Latin he just knew from the mass. And he was already four months behind in the classroom when he went over to, um, to Belgium. By the end of the semester, he had not only caught his seminary classmates from France and Belgium and wherever else, he was passing them by. So he was just brilliant. But here's what he did. And Ryan, you asked, the, this doesn't make sense. It's, mm-hmm. this, 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 this book is fiction. It's not nonfiction. So he said, well, I got to get money. I've got to get my hands on money if I'm going to build hospitals and, and pay for the salaries of doctors and nurses mm-hmm. and pay for teachers in elementary schools in the slums that, that I'm building. So he saw in Korea that there was a fancy stitch in embroidery. And he said, nowhere else in the world does this happen. I have a sense that if they put this stitch on a handkerchief, like there are whimsical scenes of a boy and a girl playing catch with a ball or walking a dog in the park or whatever, um, that if we sent them to Americans um, willing to s- give us donations by seeing a few pictures of Korean poverty, it might work. So he hired 2,000 poor women in Korea, and he said, I want you to take this stitch, put it on a handkerchief, and I'm going to send it back to America. (laughs) Within a year, within a year, tens of thousands of dollars came in. Within three years, millions were coming in. And he said, what do I do with the money, Mary? Build. So for years, Father Rich carries a handkerchief. We've been calling him the patron saint of handkerchiefs because (laughs) when he becomes a saint, he's going to have a you know, ordinary run-of-the-mill patronage. But I think that... He's got me beat, man. I'm ready to cede. I'm ready to cede it. 
I think that that's you no awesome. longer are the patron saint of handkerchiefs. That's awesome. That is an amazing coincidence. <laughs> well, what's really funny is I just opened up the I opened up the book and I looked at the image of Reverend Aloysius Schwartz, venerable, and it's like he's laughing at that. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, yes, Father. We have we have some, we have some back home. They're they're used. We still got those from the 1960s. We, we got to get gotta, him gotta, one. Okay. Please, okay. please, right, I would love I'll, that. I'll send one down. That's, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Wow, that's such a okay. Like. <laughs> Look, if Father Al is not laughing with us right now, I don't know what's happening. But it is. It's very entrepreneurial, you know? Well, he, he had no business acumen. He had a sense, and he, and he, and he, he sort of had that blind hope mm-hmm. that things would work, mm-hmm. and he was always open to the Holy Spirit. He was always in prayer. Mm-hmm. He prayed three hours a day. Oh, and I want to say mm-hmm. this, and this is where these thoughts come from. I didn't mention this, and I, and I will. This is, <laughs> this is foundational. So when he goes to Korea and he sees the magnitude of the ruination— he said, well, God, I told you I was going to live poor. So he moved into a condemned mountainside shack for five years, no plumbing, no electricity, nothing, no comforts. And it was there that he sort of absorbed what St. Anthony of the Desert did um, with the great hermit, St. Benedict. So he, he was deep into, in prayer, that ascetical life. And these ideas would percolate. So he was not only was he praying, le- reading the lives of the great priests, reading the gospel, reading the Gospels, but but he was also thinking, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And that handkerchief idea, he called it Operation Hanky, and it worked. Uh, that's what percolated, and, awesome. and it just it just it just worked. Operation Hanky. Oh man, you got you got to work with the yeah. You got to work with the Sisters of Mary. I mean, I feel like you're being called right now. Hey, <laughs> no. In all seriousness, not, I was yeah. I was discerning going down there. I was so touched by the Sisters of okay. Mary and and the village. In Chalco, that so you you've actually so look, before you get into yeah. it, there was Father Al founded Boys Towns Girls Towns right where orphans and and disadvantaged children would go, and there's one in Mexico, and you've actually been to mm-hmm. one of these places that was founded through Father Al, right? Yeah, and there there was just such a need for pastoral care, and it touched my heart so deeply that. Everything was moving in the direction where, like, I want to, I want to support this initiative and support this mission, and uh, and then in the process of discernment, mission, and I knew that I was called to missions. I was actually talking to Kevin about this on the way over. I knew I was called to missions, and I was thinking that this is going to be like the digital mission of being able to share the beauty of what the sisters are doing and to support these children and, and to be a father to these children. And my heart was so touched down there. Um, but then mission St. John Paul, the second came open and everything kind of came together. And then Dan, father Dan Leary responded to the call. And it's just, it's incredible how God has arranged this, but all of the like kind of inspiring connections and relationships. It's just so affirming, you know, and, and when we went down to visit Our Lady of Guadalupe to to consecrate this work and the work that we've been doing, um, who did we see? We saw we saw the sisters. We right. saw the sisters of Mary. Yeah. And and it was just like this, you know, con- you know, continued connection with them and, and to pray right there next to the tilma with these beautiful women. Uh, these mothers that uh, that are around the world, you know, in the poorest regions of the world, it's it's so awesome. So, so Father, can I step in there real quick? Yep, so, so Father went to Chalco, Girls Town, where there's 3,300 girls. I, I do want to say this, and it's very important that it, that be said. Um, when I was beginning the research for Priest and Beggar, I I didn't know anything about Father Al really, 
and and I was encouraged by Father Dan Leary and, and a couple others to go to Chalco. So I spent three weeks down there. And Sister Margie runs all the Americas. <laughs> and, she, and I said, Sister, Sister Margie, she welcomed me into the, past the beautiful gates of Chalco, and it's like a humble kingdom of resurrection. And you see all these mm. girls happy. But she said, Kevin, if you want to know Father Al, um, show up at this place tomorrow at, at 9 a.m. And I did. Uh, next morning, there's 12 uh, what I saw them as broken apostles. So broken apostles. Yeah, I'm, what's that? <sighs> Man, like. That's that's powerful. Please. So, so 12 girls lined up in their blue skirts and their white blouses, and they look happy. And Sister Margie said, let them tell their story. So um, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. It's going to take one second here. Um, I saved the page. Here's, here's, here's the girls that were coming up, the 12 girls. Zyra, one of the children that came to me, told me that she was once chased an hour up a mountain by a human trafficker her village by the sea being full of such monsters. Her grandfather, with whom she lived, was drunk most nights. Quote, I would kneel in front of the statue of Mary, she said, and pray that the fights and the drinking would stop. And then another girl, Antonina, came up. She's been an orphan since her father was shot dead in the street. Her mom, she believes, burned to death. These stories, there are thousands, are why the sisters of Mary welcome the children each morning as mothers do sons returning from war. So Sister Margie looked at me later on in the day, and she said, Kevin, what Father Al did is he took the most broken children in humanity and said, we know you carry a blue whale-sized cross, but when you come into our boys' towns and girls' towns, we will work for five years to try and become Simon of Cyrene's, that little by little, inch by inch, we take that cross from you, and we own the cross. We will take your pain. So when you leave as 18, 19-year-old kids uh, and go out into the wherever you are, Korea, Philippines, um, Tanzania, Tanzania yeah. you will go in back to your village or universities or workplaces as engineers, architects, musicians, whatever, students, as Catholic missionaries because you cannot understand the authentic joy that Christ wants you to have in your old battered state. So we're going to own it as sisters. We're going to own all this stuff the best we can. So I, I believe, Father, I'll, I'll just say it. I believe in a certain sense these kids, and today there's over 20,000 throughout the world, and there's over 400 sisters of Mary. Father, you might disagree. I think they're helping to save the battered part of the Catholic Church mm. because they are Catholic missionaries. They don't know any better. They're like Lazarus is pulled from the tomb. Mm. Oh, I got life again? Mm. I got, I, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go out then. They don't know anything better then just, hey, this sister saved me. Father Dan Leary, he got into my wound. I don't have it anymore. Look at me. Mm -hmm. you know. So it's, it's beautiful. You, you know, walking into the, the gymnasium where you see 3,000 young girls at attention, reverently worshiping God, and out of that place of their poverty, they're, they're crying out to God in unison and with with you know, just beautifully dressed with dignity and, you know, dignity restored, you know, in a way when you see that 
it will ch it changes your life forever. And I was so privileged to be able to witness that. And that is the work of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, as you're sharing, Kevin. And and when you see the works of Christ, when you see the fruits of the Spirit, you see it among the poor. And I completely agree with you that that is the mystical nature of where the church really is. A lot of times we get criticized. The church gets criticized about they they identify you know the worst cases or the worst priests or the worst uh, you know these churches are closing and this is the reason why and people are turning away from faith. No, like go to the poor. And you will you will see the mystical church in Christ's presence. Well, that's like when during the persecutions of the Roman Empire, you know, Saint Lawrence was the deacon, and they said, "Bring us all the treasure of the church tomorrow, mm. right? Otherwise, be executed." And Saint Lawrence came with the poor. This is the treasure of the I church. I love and, that. I mean, and that's and that's very true. The church will always find its richness and its um, highest calling in serving the poor. Now. Father Al did suffer a lot of opposition, both from criminals, from his own bishops. Um, tell us a little bit about the struggles Father Al had in going against the current and trying to start these boys' towns and girls' towns. He was attacked wherever he went, um, wherever he went. His own seminary rector tried to k kill his priesthood after 13 years of formation. His, uh, his, his bishop in Korea wanted him thrown out. His bishop in Korea, get this, there was a mafia kingpin because Father Al was raising millions of dollars from generous Americans, um, and and his own bishop was um, was misusing the funds. And Father Al cut him off. Said, "You're done. You don't. You you have no more. This money is 100% for the poor. You're done." Well, get this: the bishop bailed out a mafia kingpin who was trying to kill Father Al and get to his money. The bishop bailed him out. Not so that if that's not evil enough. Uh, after Father Al cut, him off, cut the money off, he was disparaging him to priests in his diocese, to bishops around the Far East. So Father Al was seen as an American cowboy who went his own way. But, but Father Al said, look, Mary stuck this in my heart. You can say whatever you want. You can calumniate me. You can disparage me. But, but when I look at the poor, the red-rimmed eyes and just their brokenness, I'm looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I will go forward and you will do nothing to stop me. Mafia kingpins, his own bishop, priest, they all came after. American bishops. You got to read the book, folks. Oh, man. American mm. bishops came after Father him. Rich, can you imagine your bishop bailing out of jail a mafia kingpin <laughs> to come after you? Could you imagine that? For... Thank, thank God I'm Italian. I don't, I don't, I don't, but no, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about my bishop and, you know, I'm so blessed to have a bishop who's loved me and supported me, installed me as a lector, ordained me, sent me for studies in executive community, commissioned me to do this work, which has just been so fruitful. Um, we're ble I'm blessed to have a bishop like that. But, you know, it's it, the devil, when, when you give the devil a little openness, you know, whether it's hunger for power, whether it's uh, greed, whether it's whatever it is, uh, you know, the devil can come in and really take over and, and manifest himself. And it's clear that he manifested himself in it within and, and uh, in these various offices. Um, and it's, it's tragic to see, but at the same time, the purification and the renewal of the church is accomplished in people just like Venerable Aloysius Schwartz in the presence of that. It's the renewal of the church. Ecclesia semper reformandum est. Church is in constant state of reform. How does it reform? It reforms through open, willing channels of grace and, and willing to suffer for the church 
Mm-hmm. And remember, thank you, Father, mm-hmm. spoken beautifully. But also remember that um, he stepped into things and fought back things that he read about as an eight and nine year old that superheroes do. Yes. Yeah. He was a he. He actually attained his goal. I wasn't. I didn't become a major league baseball player. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough. He became a superhero. He's on the path to canonization in the Catholic Church because he did what superheroes do. Mm. He fought the enemies mm-hmm. and kept going forward, and he was protected by Mary. Mm. Amen. The persistence of the the saints that respond to the present day evil. You know, having Our Lady's mantle around you, you have nothing to fear. <laughs> That was it. You, you look at St. John Paul II, the mantle of Mary, his totus tuus, even, you know, preserving his life so that his ministry can continue in the face of communism by, you know, that bullet missing his heart by, you know, centimeters, you know, it, it's just, it, it's amazing. Mary's protection is real. So how far and wide did this work spread? I mean, how many orphanages, because I mean, you said what he did in that first 10 years, which was astounding and seemed improbable, but... It's multiplied almost exponentially. And where's the hanky there? business, too? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's like, guys, tell, tell me about this hanky. Can we start a hanky business, Ryan, together? What do you think? <laughs> I've never used a hanky. Oh, I've got a full either. drawer of them. I'll give you one of mine. I, I, I got nothing against them. But I, just, I like the tissue. I, but I, I go through the tissues quick, though. You know, maybe I should get a hanky. Uh, so, so, Ryan, answer your question. Get, again, get again. We'll go back to superheroes. In eighty nine, nineteen eighty nine. By the way, he should still be alive. He, you know, he died in ninety two when Jordan was Michael Jordan was halfway through his career. Mm-hmm. He 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 ran every day of his life. He was an athlete, so he'd be ninety today. But he'd be one of these ninety year olds that look like they're sixty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he should still be alive. I often think if he didn't die, um, if he what it didn't wasn't diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease that there would be boys' towns and girls' towns all over the world. I'm talking the hollers of West Virginia, the slums of Chicago. So when he, when he contracted ALS in 89 in the Philippines, and this is, this, is, this is stinking beautiful, he said, I don't know about you, but if I get ALS, I'm slowing down. I got three yeah. years. He said, Mary calls me to work harder, and she calls me from Mexico. Mm. In, in Mexico, they're leaving the faith of Juan Diego, of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Poverty is causing Catholics to, to become agnostics or become Protestant or evangelicals. I, I must go, go to Mexico. So he left the Far East where he was in the Philippines and Korea, goes to Mexico with a After cane. his diagnosis. After his diagnosis. He, he knew he was going to vanish there, disappear, die. So he had a cane, and the cane was traded in for a wheelchair. And all the while, he's going out to this construction site in Chalco where father, Father's been where he's building a seven-story high girl's town. Now there's five in this, in this community, and there's a boy's town in Guadalajara. But here's the, here's the exceptional things back to the Sisters of Mary. So the sisters knew he was going to die there, and Father Al knew he was going to die there. And, and they said, Sis, Father, we saw what you did as you went to the to poorest of the poor. You go die. This will be your unfinished symphony. We will take your baton, and we will move this forward. So, Ryan, to answer your question in a long way, today there's 15 boys' towns and girls' towns throughout the world. Um, there's over 400 sisters of Mary, over 170,000 children. The poorest children in the world have graduated from these boys' towns and girls' towns. And I'm going to say this. Last thing I'm going to say, these sisters walk two by two 
two by two into the most dangerous towns in Mexico, Guerrero, where human traffickers go. But here's why they do it. In the same way that Mary's mantle protected Father out and they saw it with their own two eyes, they walk straight up, they split the seams of human traffickers, drug smugglers, gangsters, and they say, I don't care. Mm. And in a certain sense, they say that the, 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 the bad element says, stay away from them. They're bold and they are strong. So they go up and they take these poor little girls who will be trafficked, who will be sold, mm. and they take them back down the hill and they take them into these boys' towns, uh, girls' towns, and, and boys, same with the boys' towns with drugs. I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't be brave enough to do that. Yeah, it would it would be definitely a movement of the Holy Spirit, a calling mm-hmm. and, and uh, just faith. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is the thing is like his leadership was contagious and, and, it, and it still lives in, in the women who are doing this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's going to be passed on as well, which makes a guy like that a saint. Mm-hmm. And you, <laughs> you know? and, and Delacroix, you remember those sisters. I mean, were they not yeah. filled with light and all those yeah. girls filled with light? Yeah. I mean, and, and that is, it's contagious, exactly what you're saying. It's contagious and it spreads. And you may be out there right now, like being touched in the heart, like maybe God's calling you to be a mother, to be, to be a woman in community with that type of bold, that bold calling. You may have a, a calling on you like Father Dan Leary. Father Dan Leary, you know, is hearing confessions for hours, hours on the day. And Eight hours a day. Yeah, he's, he's our friend, like, and, and he's just, he's doing an immense amount of work, and there is a lot of work. And you may be out there right now thinking, you know, maybe God's calling me to that type of mission and that type of ministry, and follow that. You know, God calls us to be noble. God calls us to be virtuous and to truly fulfill the capacity that is entrusted to our humanity. As St. Catherine of Siena said, you know, if you become who you are called to be, you will set the world on fire. And that is the becoming. You know, if, if we're in a state of becoming, like Von Balthasar says, theologically, our humanity is always in a state of becoming. Don't you see the trajectory of, of, of this as being a possibility for your life? And that's what we all should be pursuing to overcome our fears. And when we are challenged with those fears, when we are challenged with the sense of like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do that. Like, that's the direction to go. It's like the narrow, the narrow way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Father, you said it so beautifully. That's it. What, what can we attain? And 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 Ryan, you were talking earlier about you know Iron Man and Thor and today's Marvel superheroes. Well, you know that's on TV, and kids can get riled up and get all excited. Hey, you see the latest Marvel? But the fact is, no, that's not it. You actually can do that. You you can be more powerful than Iron Man and Thor. You can become Father Al and a sister of Mary. And this isn't some pie-in-the-sky, pious stuff. This is rubber-meets-the-road trench work. It's real. Yes. Larry, Larry's in... I, I know this. Larry tells me he's in confessionals seven, eight, nine hours a day. Mm. He celebrates as many as three to four masses every day because there's too many kids. <laughs> yeah. And and, and um, so this... He needs help. So he, he, need, he needs do you help. Take, do you like... Do, do you take... Um, you know, maybe priests going down there for maybe a week or two just to help out? Or how, how can, maybe if a priest is listening, how could they assist? So I talked to Father Dan two days ago about this very thing, Ryan. This is providential. It really is. He said, please ask priests in America if they can come down just for a week. Even, if you don't speak Spanish, that's fine. They have Google Translate they can use, and it works fine. I've, I've done it before down there. Not in the confessional, but just talking to folks. Thank God. Um, <laughs> 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 so... Uh, so yeah, I, you know what? If if anyone out there is inspired by Father Rich's invitation, 
go on to worldvillages.org, worldvillages.org, and, and they can tell a priest or a young kid, if you're inspired by Father Al and the sisters, they need you. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, f- worldvillages.org, there's a link below. Uh, there's a link on all the pages of this episode. Um, you know, if you can't make it to Mexico or, or the Philippines or Korea or Tanzania like Father Rich has, at least maybe consider supporting them with financially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you still get a hanky, but you know, it's not about the hanky. It's about supporting these children who need it mm-hmm. so much. And everyone wants to virtue signal. And they, everyone wants to say, hey, I'm, I'm for the good of the world. This is for the good of the world. Mm-hmm. Opening your wallet, being generous, is for the good of the world in this instance. It's doing more than a tweet. It's doing more than saying with a, some hashtag. Do something concrete by supporting this. And Instead we, of virtue signaling, I like that. You know? Yeah, and when we wrap wrap this show, I, I want to play a video of the girls in prayer. Okay. I have some videos that Father Leary said. Mm-hmm. We'll absolutely yeah. put that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so Father Al is venerable. Father Aloysius Schwartz now. Um, I believe that was in 2015. Correct. Correct. Um, what's the road to sainthood looking like? What uh, what can be done? What are some official prayers that people can start seeking his intercession and help to um, you know move that cause along? Well, uh, Father Al prayed not to be known, so nobody knows who he is. Um, Father Fessio from Ignatius Press said, let's break the seal. Let's break this guy's life. So the hope is is that now through my book, Priest and Beggar, people will understand who he is and, and start to ask for his intercession. So, so Ryan, as you know, he needs, he needs people to pray for miracles. Uh, there, there are dozens of people from around the world who are already claiming miracles, but they haven't been investigated. You know, there haven't been bishops and doctors. And um, so, so I, <laughs> it's a matter of, the, it's this simple. He needs a few miracles. I, I will say this, in researching and understanding the breadth of his life. I, I don't know how a man of this magnitude is not canonized in the Catholic Church for what he did, how he lived. Um, it wasn't just. It was not social justice work mm-hmm. because everything came from prayer, oh, from a devotion to Mary. Mary, I give you myself. I will go for you. In a certain sense, he said in his journals, "I am your slave." You carry the whip hand, almost like um, uh, Louis de Montfort. Mm-hmm. I am your slave. Mm-hmm. I will work, and I will work, and I, and I will go to the worst, the most disregarded, the humiliated. And he did it, and he put him on his back, and he built kingdoms mm-hmm. all over the world for the poor. So I, I, he's, he's, he's just a superhero. Mm. Mm. So, you know, you may be out there, and, and he needs a miracle. You know, he needs miracles, and, and that comes from our open openness and asking for intercession. So you may be listening in and you know of a need that you may have or that somebody else may have, and it's a need for a miracle. And in just a moment, we're going to, we're going to pray an intercessory prayer through his intercession, and there'll be a moment of silence. And I want you to ask for that favor. I want you to ask for that miracle through his intercession. Now, um, before we before we do that, uh, this book and and I, I just love Father Fessio. He was the provost of Ave Maria University, our sponsor, and we just want to give a shout out to Ave Maria. Ave Maria University. If you're curious to find out about the number one Catholic university in the world, in my opinion, in our opinion, go to AveMaria.edu. There are over 40 undergrad degrees. There's master
master's programs, PhD degrees. But really the greatest thing about the university is the fidelity to Christ and devotion to Mary. Ave Maria comes from the Latin Hail Mary from the Annunciation when Gabriel announced the beautiful favor of God in his mercy that he came to be with us, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. The Blessed Virgin Mary is that docile woman of God who truly shows us the model of our humanity. And at Ave Maria University, they seek to mold our humanity to fulfill our greatest calling, the calling that Venerable Aloysius Schwartz truly lived out, the calling to love and mercy itself and to reach out and transform society. So, you know, looking at Ave from the life, from intramural sports to devotion to the Blessed Sacrament with perpetual adoration chapels, masses up to six to seven masses a day. You know, when you're if you're a young person out there or if you know a young person, person out there looking for a college, look no further. Make sure you check out Ave Maria today. That's right. Our other sponsor is Hollow. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the app store. Hollow really is a, a guide to help you grow in your prayer life from the Lectio Divina to daily prayer to night examines to Bible stories with uh, Jonathan Rumi, with Bishop Barron, Bible Year with Father Mike Schmitz. There's so much in there. Uh, there's chant, there's music. Go check it out right now. If you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow, you can get the app on us for free to find out if that's an app that can really help you grow in your prayer life. So big big shout out to Ave Maria and Hollow for sponsoring the show. But I also want to make sure that everyone knows where they can get this book because that's the reason we're doing this show today. Um, where can they find this book, Evan? Well, uh, two things, Ryan, if you'll permit it. Uh, I would just go to ignatius.com or priestandbeggar.com. You, you know, we always got to support our local Catholic bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's out now. It was released last month. Also, Ryan, something you, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, if you've been inspired by the work of Father Al and the sisters, um, what I've done is my uncle Monsignor Thomas Wells no longer with us. He gave me a great piece of advice once. He said, Wells, pick three, just pick three outfits and you tie to them. Don't pick 10. Don't, don't support the Elks in, the elks in Canada and, and the Indians over in there. Just pick three. So that's what I've done for many years. When I found out about what he did when I started research for the book, I lost one. Okay. <laughs> and I put the Sisters of Mary in my top three. So what I'm doing now is I'm sponsoring a sister. So you can actually, if you go into worldvillages.org and you hit the blue link, you can actually, <laughs> these sisters have 40, 50, 60 kids in their class, and you can feed a kid, you can educate a kid, and you actually become sort of a, um, what, what you you become spiritually adopted by the, by the class. They pray for you, they write letters, um, they include you in their seven o'clock rosary every night. So not only are you supporting them financially with your tithe, but they're praying for you. So mm. it's it's a it's a win win. So I would I would encourage that. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah, we're we're currently looking at the the worldvillages.org website right now and looking at the pictures of these sisters, you could just see the joy in their eyes and you're about to enjoy some of video, some of the videos that Ryan Delacross uh, was sharing, you know, earlier in the yeah. show. And as you see the beautiful work of these sisters and and it's something that I've experienced firsthand as well. Um, you know, take a glimpse into this beautiful work. And God may be calling you to support 
this initiative. You know, they unfortunately over the past, you know, 10 years or so have have lost a lot of support through different governments uh, that restructured litigation and, and a lot of the charitable donations from Germany and a number of places throughout Europe really came to a screeching halt. So, you know, please consider supporting them financially, certainly by praying for them as well, because this initiative is the initiative of God. It's the uh, initiative of Christ. I'm going to put a link right to this to where you can sponsor one of these sisters. So everyone listening, come on, let's come together and let's support some of these sisters because they're doing work that, let's be honest, you and I don't have the the guts to do, right? Mm-hmm. They're going and they're fighting traffickers and, and drug dealers and going to the poorest poorest place in the world. And we're sitting here listening to podcasts and in and, and comfortable surroundings. So let's all come together, these listeners of the show and the watchers, and let's support some of these sisters. Mm. Now, real quick, let's show some of those videos, Ryan, that Father Leary, who's down in Chalco, sent. You often get stuck in this dynamic of we have and they need. So the challenge is, and something like this makes it so clear that this is, in fact, the truth, is to discover that they have and we need and to discover, to tap into that gift and and really realize I'm the one that's receiving, I'm the one being blessed here. I know this joy, we've experienced it year after year, but every year it just blows me away. I mean, complete and total joy. You know you need those moments to like step back and realize like, wow, like this is happening, this is real. It's just been an incredible thing to see all these instruments of God. We just have to open our eyes. We just have to open our eyes and see how, how wonderful our Catholic faith is. I looked up and and she kind of like almost looked down at like having pity on me. Those words that she said to Juan Diego, like, am I not your mother? Like, will I not tell Jesus to give you everything that you ever need? I think the gentleness of those sisters just touched my heart. From the first time we met them, helping us off the bus, to just making sure we didn't trip. It's always overwhelming to walk into that gym um, with all those girls singing. I came into the church a year and a half ago. When receiving the Eucharist for the first time brought tears of joy, and it wasn't until receiving communion today and turning around and seeing the smiling faces of those 3,400 girls that my eyes welled up with tears once again. It's just an incredible experience. It's just truly a miracle. And I just thank God and hope that we can bring that sense of unity and love home to our families and spread it to each other and to others. I know I'm always going to remember it, and it's such an amazing experience, and I hope we can go back every year. And God bless all of you for taking the time from your lives to come and experience this, to see it. All right, so yeah, thank, Ryan, thanks for that. That's from Father Dan. And then we also showed some of the video of Father Rich when he was down there as well. Mm-hmm. So I think a good place really to end this episode is to ask the intercession of Father Al. Again, Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, uh, really just look, if you compare his story to St. Francis or or some of these great saints, I mean, he, he accomplished that and he's unknown. Mm-hmm. You just don't know about him. So we really wanted to share this story of of this titanic figure in the church yes. that's so mm-hmm. unknown. So can mm-hmm. we pray that, Father? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty, ever-living God, giver of all good gifts, you have filled Venerable Al with an ardent love for you and for souls. 
You have inspired him to dedicate his life to relive the suffering of the orphans, abandoned, the sick and the poor, especially the youth, which he did with all humility and courage until the end of his life. May his holy life of love and service to the poor be recognized by the church through his beatification and canonization. For your honor and glory, we pray that the life of Venerable Al be an inspiration for us in striving for perfection in the love of God and service to others. Bestow on us through his intercession. And now I invite you, my brothers and sisters, to make that prayer for that miracle and for your intention. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, and the maternal aid of Mary, the virgin of the poor. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, my brothers and sisters, we thank you for connecting with us today on this very important topic. We hope that this is an introduction to this great man. I was hoping to read a few of the sections and homilies from Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, but we've run short. But that means it gives you the opportunity to get this book today. Be sure to go to Ignatius Press's website, go to worldvillages.org and priestandbeggar.com. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.